You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 165. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today, I am chatting with you from a second bedroom in my Airbnb in Dublin. I am here in Dublin, Ireland for the week, getting some work done, putting my head down and really working on a few things. The flow is definitely leading me to a bunch of exciting things, including the launch of Life with Intention Online, my flagship course that I only do twice a year. It is starting at the end of this month, so I am so excited to be working on things that are going along with that, getting new podcast episodes ready for you for this Thursday, as well as today's episode and more. And as I'm speaking to you, I know some people have been saying that they feel like the listening to me lately has kind of been feeling like they're sitting on the couch chatting with me. Well, today we're actually, if you were to be here sitting with me, we would be chatting on a very interesting pink and fuchsia silk and cotton combo bedding situation in the second bedroom overlooking a river. I'm not sure the river's name here in Dublin and having a great time on this Tuesday morning. So this is my little setup for you today. When it comes to things coming up, I have another meetup that I'll be doing in London. This will be my second London meetup. I was so overwhelmed and surprised by how many people showed up to the first London meetup earlier this summer, and I'm so excited to have another one this fall. It will be, I think, Tuesday, September 13th. We're looking to confirm that and the specific location of where it will be. But if you're in the UK or in London and you wanna stop by and say hello, please do. The details I'll be sharing over the next few days will be on Instagram. So check out the Instagram feed for any details once we have them finalized. You can find me at Jess C as in come and say hello lively. For anyone who's wondering about what these meetups are like, it's a really casual situation. You can come in, grab a drink if you'd like one, and hang out and talk with me and all of the other wonderful people who show up. And it's been fun to see some of the people that come to these meetups later form their own meetups and continue to form friendships and see those people going forward as well. That happened in the Ann Arbor meetup specifically. It's so fun to see everyone who enjoys the show get to meet each other. And then, as I just said, form some friendships along the way. So when it comes to this September's favorites episode, I'm going to skip it this September and do another one in October instead. And I have a special interview coming up next week. So that is why there is no September favorites. I will be doing one that'll be for both September and October next month. But again, have a special interview coming up for you next week instead. Now let's move on to our September Q&A. We'll get started. We have lots of questions. So let's dive right in. First, we have Giprap HQ who asked, Hi Jess, what do you love most about London? What keeps you coming back? Loving all the adventures. Thanks for sharing with us. It's a great question about London. At first, when I left on the trip in May, I expected I would love London and possibly want to live there. But after the first few days there, I definitely did not have that feeling. However, over the months as I've traveled Europe, it has become this really comfortable, cozy place for me. And I'm kind of like completely flipped 180 now. So now it is back to being something that I totally feel really connected to. I can't really say why. I do 
probably go there more than anywhere else simply because I find the Norwegian flight from New York to London very affordable and very straightforward and easy to do. So I don't really go through a bunch of processing in terms of flight tracking and trying to find the absolute lowest price. I know there's a really, really great deal using kayak.com most of the time, usually through Norwegian, straight from New York to London. So that's probably why I've been doing it. And then as I've gotten used to it, I have made expat friends there. I have three girlfriends that I'm friends with. I like the healthy food options that are available at different restaurants that I know of there. Healthy food restaurants in Europe have been a little harder to find. I can always find healthy food at a restaurant, but to actually find entire restaurants dedicated to having many, many options that are healthy and delicious, that's more common in London than in many other places I've been. I also love Hyde Park, and it's just kind of probably because I think it is the most similar to the U.S. of any of the places I've been in Western Europe so far. It just feels the most like home for me overall. So that is why I've been coming back more and more. And I think the draw of the three girlfriends, that's really made that kind of little community and support network compared to other places in Europe where I don't know people, probably one of the biggest draws overall, in addition to all the other things I just shared. Now we have Inma Andrazels. Not sure if I said that right, Inma, but she asked, is it possible to incorporate some structure into a way of living that flows? How do you strike the balance between getting things done while staying open to what flows into your life? This is a really interesting question, and we've had many variations in this month's Q&A about flow and how to do it with family, how to do it when you're not living out of a suitcase, single and solo. So I'm going to answer some thoughts for you here, and I think we have a few other questions later that we'll also get into other aspects of this. But I will say, I'm still playing around with flow and figuring out what it is for my life personally. So when it comes to structure and living a life that flows, right now my life is extremely unstructured and extremely flowy. But I think you can have both, and I think there is something about that balance, or maybe it's like the blend. I don't know if you remember the episode where I shared the idea of blending in our lives rather than balance, where sometimes certain phases of our lives look more one way than another. So right now, my life looks very unstructured versus structured. Maybe you have different phases of that as well. So here are some thoughts. When it comes to finding that balance or blend, number one is writing to your intuition or doing what feels right to your intuition. So your intuition is gonna be able to tell you what you should do when it comes to structure versus flow. You don't need me to answer that question. That's really within you to find out what it's telling you to do in your own life. For me personally, what I have found to tap into that intuition is I'll either write to the intuition directly through a letter or I will wait until there's a gut feeling that I should plan the next step of something. So I'll wait until there is this kind of feeling of there'd be more peace in planning it than in not planning it. And it took a while. I think in the past, I probably would have said at many times, it will always feel more peaceful to plan it than to not plan it. Having gone without that, now I'm kind of more balanced where I'm not just seeking to plan to try to soothe my ego's fears of uncertainty. And so now I can kind of have a better idea of when it feels like I'm making it this decision or structure from a place of peace or when it's coming from a place of fear. The ego will want to make the plan based on fear of the unknown. The intuition will want it for the peace of whatever it's telling me is the right and is the next thing to do. So 
I would suggest for you, of course, writing to your intuition and starting to pay attention to your gut. When does it feel right to find more structure and when does it feel like the structure is more limiting for you overall? Next up, we have another popular question that people have asked. And Liza in Ann Arbor says, I want to know about Ellie. How's she doing? Do you plan to bring her with you when you get settled someplace? This is a really interesting question. And the truth is, I've written a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to my intuition over the summer about this specific topic. Ellie is doing wonderful, and she's living in Ann Arbor with my neighbors who have happily chosen to adopt her from me because of this whole travel situation. This is honestly the hardest decision I had to make when it comes to anything, at least for my ego. It was the hardest for my ego to make. Let's be clear. My intuition was peaceful about it, though my heart still loves her and wants the best for her. I've realized through talking to my intuition and writing to it that she needs more than what I can give her right now. She loves loving humans and she can love more than just me. She also deserves to have a home and a yard and stability. These are none of the things that I can give her right now. And even if I do move out to Europe, I don't foresee myself having a home and a yard that would be conducive to the things that bring her the most joy. So bringing her here or dragging her into this new life that I'm on is not the best for her. So as I said, we have become very close with my neighbors in Ann Arbor. She's been watched by them and I've watched their dog several, several times throughout the entire time that I was living in Ann Arbor. And now she is literally living next door to the house that I used to own and is so happy with her new parents and her sister, Frida. And yeah, this has been the hardest sacrifice that I've had to make when it came to selling the house and the furniture and all of that stuff, that was easy. But Ellie was definitely a huge part of my life and I totally love her. But I also realized that thanks to my intuition, that this is really the best for both of us. The intuition's not asking me to go to Ann Arbor or go to somewhere else in the US and get a house and a yard. And to not give her that opportunity to have that in her own life is not fair. So as I go through this journey, and I still don't know when it's gonna end, my intuition still keeps telling me to go out there and leave everything I know behind. So because of that, I just have to have faith that this is the right thing for me and for her. And of course, this is not the right choice for everyone. Everyone has to follow their own intuition. So this would totally be against someone else's intuition, though at the same time, this is right for me. Once again, as I always say, let the intuition take the lead. And it has been something that has taken a lot of faith and a lot of conversations with it for me to understand and to find peace with. But thankfully, that is what is going on in that situation. And I'm very grateful for my neighbors being such wonderful people and just, I don't know, just being such a great new family for her. Now we have Kay Hill Atlanta who said, when is your book coming out? I have chosen to have no deadlines on this book. So hopefully around my birthday, but we will see. I would love for it to come out around then. It would be such a treat to share with you around my own birthday as kind of a gift that I'm giving you rather than receiving. So excited to be sharing that soon. Next up, we have E.E.S. Cowd who said, I'd like to hear your thoughts about incorporating flow when your life isn't just your own. I have a husband and three school-aged kids. While I understand that I can still flow with many aspects of my life, I obviously can't make changes that impact my family and potentially disrupt their flow. 
Okay, so when it comes to flow and families, this is super popular in terms of questions. And I am definitely not some expert in family and flow by any means, but here are my initial thoughts when it comes to how this flow could work with families. First and foremost, flow is about following your intuition. So your intuition's not gonna lead you into an unpeaceful place. So your intuition is not gonna flow you into, let me... I don't know, not take care of my kids today and let me not go to work today and let me not do all of these things that would ultimately be totally unpeaceful for you in your life. So first of all, we'll say flow is about following your intuition. It's just gonna look different based on your circumstances and your intuition and values, what that flow will be. But here are some ways to look at flow in your current life that maybe you haven't been thinking of before. Number one, flowing between the daily activities of your life. It's kind of an energy shift here. Instead of going from, okay, now I'm here, and now I'm here, and pushing through, and pushing through, flowing between activities is a little softer, it's a little gentler, and it's probably got more mindful presence to it when you flow between activities. So now I'm ending this activity, and here I am flowing into the next. Now I'm flowing into picking up my kids from school. Now we're flowing into the time where they're doing their homework, whatever it might look like. Flowing between the activities, even just in a sense of kind of the ebb and flow of the daily activities versus chunking and segmenting your day and kind of approaching it in a little bit more of a chopped up forceful way could be interesting. And also incorporating spontaneity, which is what I think a lot of people see When they see my experience of flow and how extreme it is given my circumstances compared to many other people's circumstances, we think that my extreme spontaneity couldn't be done in smaller ways, but it totally can. Being spontaneous could look like staying in and cooking for friends on the patio instead of doing a fancy double date that you might have had plans with a friend. Or maybe you skip your book club to spend time with your sick child. Whatever that looks like, whatever the spontaneous things could be, maybe you don't plan anything over the weekend and you see what flows. So it may not be an entire month or year of your life, but maybe it's just a weekend with your family where there are no plans on the docket. You let your children decide what they would like to do this evening and you go with that. Those might be other ways to find flow given your current circumstances. And of course, always use your intuition as your guide. Next up, we have, I don't know how to say her name, so I'm not sure, Ajani Isabel, who asked, I would like to know a bit about how to deal with flow and intuition versus boredom. Sometimes I feel like when it comes to career, location, or relationship, I don't know if it just doesn't flow anymore or if I just get bored of it and I'm not ready to face the challenges. Also, I write to my intuition a lot and find that I can end up overanalyzing and obsessing long-term things. So how can I shut off my brain a bit to be able to be more present and concentrate more on the moment? This is wonderful, and I love, first of all, that you're writing to your intuition because that is my answer for you when it comes to let's go back up here and see what it says. I would love to know a bit about intuition versus boredom, when to keep going or when it's just getting bored, and also finding about the overanalyzing about the future. What I think I would suggest for you is to actually start asking a few different questions to your intuition you may have not asked before. So here are a few. Am I just bored or should I keep going? That is a great question when it comes to, you know, is it the flow or is it boredom? Ask your intuition this question and find out what the response is from it. Am I just bored or should I keep going? How can I see this situation differently? 
that might be an interesting way to find out if boredom's really the root cause or not. What should I do today when it comes to focusing on the long-term planning thing? Ask your intuition what you should do today instead, or what do I need to know in order to feel peace today? Those may be the questions that can help you to stop future tripping into three years from now and et cetera. And I know that that's so tempting, right? The ego just wants to think about the future. It wants to have everything planned, but the peace that comes from the intuition doesn't come from the understanding of what's going to happen three years from today. It's going to come from the peace of what you need to do today. So asking it for guidance is the best place to start. Now we have Selena Biana who said, my heart and gut are pulling me towards finding employment that is closer to home with more school-friendly hours. I desperately want to be there for my kids more. Right now I have a good job that's steadily moving towards another promotion, but my heart just isn't into it. I feel like I need guidance on how to take small steps towards making this goal of working less and being home more a reality. Right now, bills and this need to financially provide for my family is what motivates me to stick with my current job. Number one, I would say write to your intuition about the small steps. Your intuition knows the steps that you should take. And also I would say, aside for writing to your intuition in order to get that clarity for you, because I don't know the right step for you, your intuition knows it. You don't need a business coach, you don't need someone else, you know, those things aren't bad, and especially if your intuition tells you to go get one, great, go do that. But ultimately, the answers you really, really need are inside of you. Your intuition and writing to it is what I have found is the most effective way to tap into that guidance. But also, here's the little thing I do think that maybe I could help you with. One thought is to have faith that the promotion that might be coming up in your career isn't the only good thing that could be waiting downstream as you flow. So there could be something else awesome in addition to just the promotion. It doesn't have to be that that's even in the stream for you. If that feels like going upstream, which it kind of seems like it is because you said your gut is pulling you towards finding employment that's closer to home. Recognize that the promotion may not actually be the most downstream thing for you because your gut's telling you otherwise. And use that intuition guidance in order to take those next steps that are gonna help you. I'm not sure what they are, but I do have a feeling your intuition is going to have the advice and the direction that's really going to help you take these next steps to finding the thing that is right for you. Next up, we have JC Smith 87 who asked, have you been homesick at all? This is a really interesting question for me. In the first three months, didn't have too much homesickness, but I did have a bout of homesickness while watching Carpool Karaoke on YouTube in Edinburgh towards the end of the trip. So towards the end of the first three months, I was getting a little bit homesick watching Americans on Carpool Karaoke drive around in America and just kind of seeing Americans after not seeing Americans for quite a while. So that was a little bout of homesickness, but not too much otherwise. And once I went back to the U.S., I definitely didn't feel homesick at all. And if anything, I felt like I really wanted to get back out to Europe. I kind of am starting to almost feel a little bit more at home or more familiar and comfortable with how my life is here more than it is or was in the States. So right now, I don't really feel like I belong anywhere, which is super weird and sometimes feels like I'm floating rather than flowing. But when I find that I can ground myself in the present moment, everything becomes clear, everything's okay. I don't actually need to have a place to ground me. I can use the present moment for the grounding that I need. 
Now we have Aaron Healy who said, hi, Jess, I have a question about social media. How do you go on social media like Instagram and Facebook and not compare your life to everyone else's? It feels like every time I go online, I end up feeling terrible because I compare myself to all the great things everyone else is doing. Thanks. Aaron, I have the perfect podcast for you. I pretty much created your very own podcast episode. I'm not sure if you've heard it before, but if you haven't, it's called We Don't Need to Own to Appreciate, and you can go listen to it at jesslively.com slash appreciate. This is actually one of my very favorite Lively Adventure episodes of all time. It's one of my favorite subjects I've ever shared on, and it was a powerful lesson that I actually learned in Edinburgh not too long ago about this exact same subject. Next up, we have Amanda X. Anderson, who asked, my question is, how do you identify, process, and practice making flow U-turns when you experience them? Is there a common formula you use to quickly go through the steps needed to feel the contrast, appreciate it, find the lesson, let it go, feel gratitude, and flow on? Yes, Amanda, you're going to, this sounds like a broken record, but it's so true. I write to my intuition when I need to make a shift. So when I write to my intuition, I kind of do all of those things. I'm feeling the contrast because I'm starting to recognize that something that I want is different than where I'm at. So I write those questions out asking for the guidance. I find the lesson through writing to my intuition because the answers the intuition gives me show me the lesson. Then I ask for help on letting it go. So I'll ask more questions to the intuition for help on letting it go. Then I feel that gratitude for the intuition's guidance, and then I continue to flow on. So that is my answer to that question. V Rose 2 asked, when tackling a new project, how do you plan out the work and hold yourself to deadlines? I'm much better at this at work, but I'm struggling to make time and complete a personal project, even though I'm really excited about it. Thanks. All right, so when it comes to deadlines, except for the podcast, I'm not choosing to make deadlines at the moment. So this may not be what you're expecting, but yeah, I don't actually try to hold myself to deadlines anymore. Except for the deadlines that involve other people on my team, I try not to have them. I find that they're not really useful, and I find that alignment and then taking action is what feels the best. So for your project, since it seems like it's a personal project, I would suggest questioning or maybe, I guess, writing to your intuition, do you even need to have a deadline? What's happening, I think, because you think you do need to have deadlines and you're struggling to work on it even though you're excited about it, I'm guessing there is some resistance in your ego about this project or towards this project. So I would suggest writing to your intuition to understand what those possible resistances may be and find ways through your intuition writing to overcome them so that you find yourself taking action. So I think that's really what's going on here. I don't think that you need to have deadlines because that's just forcing things rather than flowing. I would say there's probably resistance and if you can see it and kind of, I guess, overcome it, it's not really the right word, but dissolve it or, or understand it and work through that, then I think you'll find yourself opening up to the project in a way that feels more peaceful, more positive, and actually starts to have you wanting to take the action that you're not taking now. Now we have Guy Rodri who said, hi, Jess, I love your podcast. Thanks for all your hard work. I was wondering how you're handling being away from friends and loved ones. Do you feel like you're missing out on major life events in their lives? Do you feel like you have to sacrifice the time you share with them for the opportunity to travel abroad for long stretches of time? How are you working through those emotions? 
I do not feel like I've missed any of these things. It's not actually that hard. First of all, I'll say that most of my family and friends were a long distance before my travels as well. My parents live in Pennsylvania. My other brothers live one in Austin, one in Chicago, and I was last living in Michigan. So I was pretty far from a lot of people. And because I had moved from Chicago to Austin for a year and then nine months in Michigan, even my friend groups were at that point pretty long distance as well. So really the only friends that I'm no longer close to day to day are are my Michigan friends. And I still talk to them in the same ways that I talk to my family and friends that aren't in Michigan as well. So I haven't felt like I've missed anything, partly because I've actually gone back for things that are important, like my friend's upcoming wedding that's happening October. I'll be there as her bridesmaid. And I came back to the States for the express purpose of going to her bachelorette weekend in California as well. So when I'm in the States and then meeting up with people like my friends or family. So I don't know. I just haven't really felt that I've missed anything. I've also only been gone for three, four months now. So not too many things have happened in my family's lives. And I do plan on going back for the holidays. So for me, being in the travel is kind of like all the time I would have just been in Michigan away from them anyways. So that's kind of my answer for that. And then I just keep in touch with them the same ways that I used to before, using phone or FaceTime most of the time while I'm traveling and text messages. Now we have Dilapidus who said, hey, how do you reconcile the idea of flow with the idea that some things are worth working hard or going through difficulty for? This is a really interesting question and it's something that I would like to clarify. So I'd say that flow isn't about doing hard work or going through difficulty. That I would say it's true, but it doesn't mean it's not about doing great work or doing excellent work. There's just a lack of force involved. That's the big shift I'm trying to get out of. Stopping the discipline, the forcing, the pushing instead of pulling, the flow of things. Trying to make that shift is bigger than anything else. And if you're interested in this subject in a little deeper, you can go listen to an episode that I shared about exactly how this works at jesslively.com slash alignment before action. That episode, I think, will really help you to hear my take on the is it worth working hard or pushing through things or not subject. So I think that will be really helpful for you. Now we have Kendall who asked, how do you recommend flowing with flow for people with spouses, children, and corporate jobs who may have to plan well ahead and can't always flow on a whim? I'm so inspired by your recent spontaneity, but I am having trouble reconciling that with my lifestyle. Awesome question, and I kind of already alluded to some of this answer earlier, but I'll say, please don't think that your life needs to look the same as mine. Mine is extremely obvious and kind of intense right now. I'm not really sure why my intuition has me on this path, but it is bringing me a lot of joy, so I'm glad that I'm on the path I'm on simply because my intuition has led me here, and because of that, I'm having a lot of peace with it, but most people's lives and intuitions would not lead them to this. I kind of think it's a little bit like I have went to this Buddhist retreat in the Scottish Highlands, so I've been thinking a lot about Buddhism lately. And if you think about it, Buddha was a pretty intense person. He was not the average person that's doing meditation now, and that's okay. I by no means Buddha, by the way. I'm just saying that his life looked pretty different than most of the people that followed his teachings or do follow his teachings today. And that's okay. So we can use what he has lived as an example of really the the lessons that he's learning more than the specifics of his day-to-day life to be something that we look forward to 
incorporating in our own lives and circumstances. So please, don't think you need to live out of a suitcase like me. Let's find the ways to find this flow and find all of these alignments within your circumstances. Here are some ideas I had that could give you some of that spontaneity that you're resonating with so strongly. As I mentioned earlier, try an unplanned weekend instead of an unplanned, unending trip. Or try an unplanned night where your child makes the plan or have your spouse surprise you with a date night. Any of those types of things where someone else is coming up with the plan could be an interesting way to go with the flow, to go with what they would like to do, could be an interesting way of finding flow for yourself, not having to plan it yourself, but having the time to enjoy being with your friends and family could be a really interesting way to find that peace in this kind of idea of, okay, this is coming up, and then this is happening, and you're flowing into that, and trying to let your unplannedness take the lead by even letting other people figure out what they would like to do with you, or setting yourself up for time that's unplanned and unstructured that is for you to decide in that moment what you would like to do. Of course, ask your intuition as always where this works best in your life, but try to find those things in smaller chunks of time perhaps that are unplanned so you can do things that truly feel authentically good to you in that moment. Now we have Jackie, please. He said, what three things would you take with you on a deserted island? I thought this is such a fun question. And here are my answers based on my travels lately. Eggs and avocados. Love eggs and avocados. That's what I would take to eat. I would bring my Audible because I love listening to audiobooks lately. And I would bring my mini iPad for solitaire because one of my favorite habits on flights lately has been listening to Audible while playing solitaire on my mini iPad. And I guess I would have to bring a charging station somehow to charge up those tech pieces. But yeah, that's what I would bring on the deserted island lately. Next up, we have Moments of Meaning who asked, what's taking you to the other continents later this year? The school you helped build, work, pleasure, and friends? Great question. I am going to Costa Rica in October to go to a retreat with Eckhart Tolle. This is a lifetime kind of bucket list item. I've been thinking about the teachers in the world that are still alive that I would love to learn from. And when it comes to that short list of people, Eckhart Tolle is definitely on that list. And at some point over the last few months, someone, some listener actually, I can't remember her name. She's kind of now become this like angel in my life in some way. She sent me this email about this retreat that Eckhart was doing in Costa Rica and said, so you're going to this, right? And it's so funny because this random email coming into my inbox right at that time just worked. It just was totally right. She was totally right. I decided to go. So that's why I'm going to Costa Rica. And yes, I'm going to Ghana in November for Pencils of Promise to see the school that you guys have all helped me build through Pencils of Promise. So I'll be sharing more details about that soon. But those are the reasons that I'm going to those places later this year. Now we have Sarah Walker 225 who said, Hey Jess, I've been thinking about all the terrible world tragedies that have been going on in Europe and otherwise. Thinking about it all makes me so anxious. How does someone with anxiety use flow to lessen their anxiety about world events that are so out of our control? I'd love to hear your thoughts, especially since you've been in Europe. Hugs. This is a great question, Sarah, and I'll say, I think that the U.S. has a perception of Europe kind of through the media maybe feeling less safe than Europe, but I actually feel safer in Western Europe and the places I've been than in the U.S. So I think that maybe the way that they're portraying things, I just genuinely feel safer here. So I actually, when it comes to me personally, like being here more than I like being back in the States if I'm thinking about security. 
But also I think it could be helpful for you to only read the news. This is something I've been doing. Instead of watching how the media portrays things and showing terrible things, really, I would say that really you don't necessarily want to be uninformed, but also we don't need to be over-informed. For example, we don't need updates every 30 minutes on these tragedies as they play out in terms of like, now the count is this number versus that number, or this person's name is related to this person. It gets so specific. And I don't actually think that's really serving any of us to know all of these billions of details about each of these individual events. Yes, we need to know the overarching theme and subject, but I don't think we need to have this intense scrutiny that the media is actually giving and giving on a 24-hour news cycle. So personally, my suggestion would be to read articles about the things. So you can get the facts, but also you don't have to have all of the anxiety that gets produced from seeing these visuals and interviews and all of that stuff. I mean, the 24-hour news cycle is encouraged to find ways to have you keep watching. Whether it's good or not is not part of their concern. They're just trying to get you to keep watching it. So by watching it, you get more anxious. I would say trying to read the facts might help you to de-escalate and to not be uninformed, but also not feel so emotionally affected by it. That would be my suggestion for you. Now we have Karen Cook who said, how do you balance enjoying the moment versus the thoughts and ideas that arise for say future entrepreneurial ideas, future travel plans, future life stages? It's hard to know what to follow up on and work toward versus what to table to enjoy my current life. Having a hard time knowing if I should stay where I am or plan for some of my big ideas. I'm guessing, Karen, you know my answer. It's going to be right to your intuition about what to do now or what to do next. So first of all, that is how I do all of this. I don't actually decide to take these steps. I write to my intuition to make sure it is the thing most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time, that's where I go first to know what to do next. And I also like to think about how do I want my life to be and feel like? And actually, it's taken kind of all of these travels, especially lately, that getting into that real alignment and knowing what that feels like, now I can look at things and say, will this new idea add or detract from that feeling of alignment or that life that it helps me tap into that alignment? And a lot of times there's some amazing ideas that I could do that people tell me I should do or offer to do with me. But I think about, will that new idea add or detract from that aligned feeling it have, that aligned feeling I love, or that aligned set of circumstances that I'm really attracted to? Will it detract from the time, money, resources, or just general distraction or stress or worry? So now I realize there are billions of things. People keep asking, for example, for me to create a planner. Now I could do that and maybe I'll do that at some time if it flows in my future. But right now, to me, that is time, money, resources, distraction, and stress or worry that I would rather not be thinking about. Instead, I'd rather be working on Life With Intention, the podcast, and the book that I'm working on for you. Those things all feel life-giving and aligned. Doing these other projects may happen in the future, but I care more about my alignment and my flow right now than a new shiny penny idea that doesn't feel like it really aligns with where I'm at. So I would say writing to your intuition is ultimately one of the best places to start if you're really unsure of if something's just a shiny penny or if it's not. Now we have Sunshine is Yummy who said, how have you managed to eat healthy while traveling? Tips, please. Okay, so when it comes to eating healthy while traveling, I've done a pretty good job doing this because my skin and acne has flared up so much as my hormones have been healing. 
By the way, for anyone on the Lisa VD protocol or curious about how that's been going for me, I got my very first period at 31, TMI to some people I'm sure, but for those that are curious, finally did happen. I've never had my own period off of the birth control pill, but it has happened. And as it has, cystic acne has also come with it, which is really no fun. So I have been super motivated to eat healthy while traveling because I know that the foods are a huge indicator or creator of this cystic acne and also the hormones getting balanced, I also believe is hugely involved in the fact that I haven't been eating the gluten and the dairy in order to help my hormones heal and get rebalanced in a way they've never been naturally balanced before. So when it comes to eating healthy on traveling, I try to find the gluten and dairy-free items on menus that exist, if they do, or also just the naturally gluten or dairy-free items. Usually I can find on almost, almost any menu one or two items that are gluten and dairy-free. So I'll usually order that item if there's only those items at that location. Or ideally, I love to find places that specialize in eating healthy all over the menu. So Google or different recommendations that people have given me on Instagram has been awesome. And if you're looking for the best food recommendation app, now it's not specifically geared towards healthy. I don't think one of the options, but in general, if you're traveling, one of the best apps I've ever found for places to eat near you is Foursquare. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Foursquare. I used to think it was some app about how to find people near where you're at or something like that. Whatever it used to be, right now, if you download the app, it's not like that at all. When you log in, it has all of these kind of options like dinner, breakfast, lunch, nightlife, fun, etc. And then you click that button and then it finds all the places near you, shows you the reviews, the menus, and the pictures of those places and what to do. It is fantastic. If you have not downloaded that and you're traveling, I think it is the number one app besides Uber. I would recommend, and Google Maps, of course, to have, and maybe Duolingo. Okay, so if I was going to give you travel apps, it would be Duolingo to learn the language of your area, Google Maps so you can get around, Uber so you can get cars if you need it, and then of course this Foursquare in order to find places to eat and good tips. So I really do still go there. I will then, once I find a good ranked place nearby, go and check the menu to see if they have the gluten and dairy free items. But if you like different types of healthy eating and that looks different for you, of course you can use Foursquare to then find the menu and see if the ways that you like to eat are listed on the menus that you're looking at. Now we have Maris3 who asked, I am fascinated by the concept of flow. would love to try to implement this in my life. However, I don't know how to make it happen with a full-time job and about four hours of commute every day. I feel like I have no time left to be. It's only about doing and doing it quite poorly since I'm always so tired and bitter about not having time. Any advice? Okay, so I know we've talked a lot about flow, but the thing here that I wanted to bring up is the four hours of commute every day. Okay, so I have been personally traveling a lot. So a lot of my days are almost entirely kind of wasted or at least half the day is taken up by travel. So I'm not sure, Maris, if you're driving those four hours and you have to be fully at the wheel or if you're commuting on a train, kind of like going into the city in New York from Connecticut, for example. Now, depending on which one it is, obviously, going to have different situations of what you can focus on and what you can do. But I would look at that commute as an amazing place to find flow because I have found that my travel days are amazing times for me. I love the travel days. Actually, in some ways, they're becoming some of my favorite times because I've kind of gotten into some routines that bring me a lot of joy and alignment. 
So I would try to find that for yourself as well. Of course, write to your intuition in terms of generally speaking, should you even stay in that job or not that gives you that four hour commute. But if you're in it and this is where you're supposed to be, if you're driving, I would say try and use things like podcasts or books on tape to listen to things that bring you joy. Find subjects or shows or books that you're really excited about so that that commute time is something you can look forward to. Find something you love that much that by listening to it, you look forward to it. For me, I have loved the spiritual books I've been listening to on tape. And then since I'm not actually flying the plane or driving the cars, I'm usually playing solitaire while listening to those books on tape. And I get so much joy from that. I literally have so much fun doing those two things at the same time. Or maybe you could actually read if you're on a train. But those types of things I think would be really fun. You could also learn a whole new hobby, pastime. You can learn about history. There's so many things that you could kind of expand your own horizons and self-learning through that time that I would say that could be some place to find a lot more flow than maybe you currently have been. And if it's still like a lot of resistance and you're like, Jess, I'm already doing that, then maybe there is that resistance to the place you are in your life and writing to your intuition about what you're there to learn from in your current job or what this commute is here to teach you might give you more peace and clarity on why the situation's in your life overall. Now we have Amaya Reddy who said, what does personal growth mean to you? I love to constantly learn and experience new things and keep investing in myself. This is a really interesting question. What does personal growth mean to me? As I'm thinking about it now with where I am in my life and the experiences, I can say for me, personal growth means learning to let go of resistance to what is showing up in my life. I'll say that again, learning to let go of resistance to what is showing up in my life that I'm resisting. That is what personal growth means to me. So now my current thoughts on that subject are, how can I go through and grow in a way that helps to understand and dissolve the resistance to what is showing up in my life so I can re-tap into the alignment and flow that's already in my life, which I'm resisting. That's what personal growth personally means to me right now. We also have another question from Amaya Reddy who said, do you feel like you can blend in with the locals in Europe? Is language a barrier? Do you feel at home if you don't speak their language? And can you break into their circle? So I have to say, yeah, I do blend in with some of the locals in Europe, especially in the UK, because the language barrier not being an issue at all is really helpful. But also I've met people in Scotland that are Spanish and gotten to know them really well. I've met people in Portugal that are Portuguese. It helps if you have a friend to introduce you to their friends. So if you can make one friend, then they'll introduce you to their group of friends and then you're more likely to get into it in an easier way. And also I'd say in addition, I often meet other travelers. In that case, then you're kind of not really necessarily a local, or maybe they're a local in Europe. They're just traveling from a different part of Europe at that time. But it is always easy to, I would say, connect with a traveler a little bit easier than a local, unless you're maybe going on a date with them or you meet them at a local restaurant or that kind of thing. I love sitting at bars and the restaurants when I'm eating because I get to talk to the bartenders themselves, so I'm not sitting there with a book alone. That's not really my way of doing it. I like to chat with people. So I like to sit there at the bar and also you can sit and talk with other people at the bar that are sitting there as well. And yes, I do speak English with them for the most part. I don't know much more than Spanish. So unless I'm with someone that does speak Spanish, and I have met someone who is Spanish while watching a Euro Cup game 
a while back. I think it was in Barcelona and we had a fun time speaking Spanish together and it was good for me to practice and he would practice his English back with me. But otherwise, I usually speak English, have the best time with the UK people because there's really not much of a language barrier whatsoever. And I can, you know, kind of break in to their social circles if I get in with one person who then introduces me to their friends as well. Now we have Uptown Dana who said, thanks for being so open in your recent episodes. I can definitely tell that you've been in flow as there is a wonderfully different tone. What other tools are you relying on more and more to keep your business moving while living a nomadic life? The tools I'm using most that are new to things, well, one is new and one is not from the travel. So the one that's not new is Slack. I've been using Slack to keep in touch with the team, which is wonderful. It's a really great messaging service that we can all stay on top of what's going on with the business. And then I use WhatsApp to keep in touch with people while traveling, especially Europeans, because a lot of Europeans use WhatsApp to message each other. And I really actually like the WhatsApp format a lot. So yeah, WhatsApp and Slack are the two tools that I've added in my nomadic life. Now we have Travel Girl 29 who said, are you ever going to get back to interviews on The Lively Show? I would say yes, I'm not against it if it flows. And in fact, I have another one with a Life with Intention member coming out soon. Now we have M Glowing who said, hi Jess, I'm loving your journey. Before you left the US, it seemed like you enjoyed a few routines throughout your day, like walking to your favorite coffee shops each morning. Since you're traveling to so many new places now, what are you doing to create routines and find stability in each day, though so much is changing around you? This is a great question, and I've shared a little bit about this before, but basically I go back to the same cities that I know and love, and I go back to the same favorite restaurants and coffee shops if I know and love them. So I don't always constantly try to have a string of new experiences that I've never had before. I go back to London a lot. I went back to Lisbon a lot over the summer. And even in a city like San Diego, for example, when I was there a few weeks ago, I found this really great salmon or tuna poke. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it was avocado and seaweed and tuna. And it was just delicious with these little rice cracker things. And I loved it at this restaurant that was right around the corner from where I was staying. So every single night for three nights in a row, I went to that restaurant and ordered that exact dish. So that was something that I haven't done it exactly with that much routine anywhere else in terms of every single night, the same exact meal in the same place. But those types of things do give me that sense of routine. And it really is a lot of times through the coffee shops that I work at or the restaurants themselves. Lauren Connors asked, I can't remember if you talked about this in a previous episode, but did you get any negative reactions from people close to you before making your life change to traveling and selling your house? Just wondering how family or parents and trusted friends reacted and how you dealt with any negative feedback then or now. Thankfully, I can say that there was not really any negative reactions. Everyone was really supportive overall. So no negative things to share there. Thankfully, they all went with it. Even if they wouldn't have done it themselves or advised me to do it, they were not negative or telling me not to. I think they've seen me chart my own path enough times before to know that I, when following my intuition, have great things happen. So I think... They just kind of have gotten used to the fact that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. <laughs> they just, you know, try to love and support me along the way. Now we have Chris Murphy 7 who asked, how was it to see Franklin? That was such a great picture. Thank you, Chris. He was doing great. He is doing great. In fact, today as I'm recording this, it is his birthday. He's now four years old and it was so fun to see him and Mr. Lively in Portland. 
I just love being able to see them every now and then. And going back to Portland will be definitely something I'd like to continue to do so I can see them both. But he's doing great. And thank you for asking about that. Now we have Simply Ever After who asked, Hi Jess, love, love, love your podcast. It's been such a game changer for me. Can you touch base on when the next Life with Intention class will be starting? Happy and safe travels. Thanks for asking. Life with Intention is starting very soon. Registration opens October 12th and the class is from September 18th to October 21st. So stay tuned for more details about that. Now we have Annie Lowe who said, Hi Jess, since you're returning to Europe in the fall, have you switched up your clothing in preparation for the colder weather? Yes, I did. Since I'm only using a carry-on, I don't have a lot of clothes to begin with, but I left some of the warm weather clothes in New York City with my friend Clara in her apartment. Thank you, Clara, if you're listening to this for letting me store those things there. And I'm now going to buy a few items this month because I have two t-shirts and two sweaters pretty much for the rest of the month to wear every day. That's not a lot of stuff. It's really like, is this shirt dirty or is that shirt dirty? This is what I'm going to wear or that one's the one I'm going to wear. So I will buy a few new items as it flows this month, but in Michigan in October, I also plan to add a few new warm weather items to the wardrobe. But here are some tips overall that I've learned. Wear the same colors. Find a really limited color wardrobe. That way you can swap things out with everything that you have. For me, I have black, white, denim, and light pink. Those are the only colors I had for the most part in the spring wardrobe, and I could mix up so many things because of the colors all being consistent. Also, I'd say wear thin layers for more looks. So finding thin things instead of thick, bulky sweaters saves a lot of room in your luggage. Make sure you always have a place to do laundry. That has been huge for me, at least. Finding a place to do laundry means everything when you only have four tops right now and two pairs of pants. And then also don't bring too many shoes. Maybe a running slash walking shoe, if you can find one that does both, awesome, and a flat booty. Right now, those are the two things I'm thinking about because I'm not using the flip-flops. Maybe a heeled booty too, I guess, but those are kind of the two that I would say. A comfortable flat booty and a running walking shoe would be the two shoes that I would personally focus on bringing on a trip. Next up, we have Nancy who asked, hi from Ann Arbor, an internet activities question. What's your current or past practice for keeping up with the blogosphere? Any suggestions? Thanks and go blue. I use Feedly to keep up with my blog. So I really have enjoyed that. And maybe you will too, if you want to check it out. It's Feedly, F-E-E-D-L-Y. And that's it, guys. Those are my questions for you this month. So excited to see how many people are so interested in flow. And hopefully those questions and answers have helped clarify how to do it or how you could do it ultimately with what your life looks like given your circumstances. As I've shared next week, I am back in London. I'll be sharing details about the meetup that's going to be happening tentatively at least on September 13th. If you want to see those details, I will be sharing once we have them exactly planned out at Jess C as in come and say hello lively on Instagram. And until this Thursday, may something wonderful happen to you today. 